it's your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Welcome back here, and thank you for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt, where we review your favorite and sometimes not-so-favorite horror movies, series, and comic books. We also interview inner creators about their upcoming projects, and I want to just thank every single one of you for joining us here after our latest break. I want to apologize. We were had a good streak going there, almost a month and a half of uh, straight, almost two months, actually, of straight back-to-back-to-back episodes going out. Unfortunately, I did get sick with COVID, and we're just battling it through there. I just wanted to tell everybody out there, Please be safe. Take this seriously. This is no joke. It's not something that you want to catch. It is. It's not just the flu, guys. <laughs> Trust me. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and introduce my guests for today or my co-host for today, actually. Uh, Greg and David, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Happy to be here. How you guys um, been doing here with the with the latest rounds of um, how are you guys doing in Washington actually? Because you guys are are what semi closed still, or are you guys opened? Um, so like that's it's in fluctuation up here in the uh, the area uh, in in the in the Washington area. So like they uh, they had everything popped open for about a month and a half, and now they're starting to like bring back the restrictions on things. Which I personally, because you know my wife and I own a shop where. We're like, hey, you know what? That's cool. If people need to stay home, they need to stay home. We need to pivot back to being online again. That's cool. We can do that. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the restaurants around us and, and the uh, bars and other other things changing back to either outside only or takeout only as opposed to their sit down uh, stuff that they're doing. And a lot of limitations. We have, you know, we've got a lot of limitations as to, you know, uh, mask uh, quantity of people, uh, you know, all those things. So, um, all the precautions, take them, do them. And, you know, if we have to shut down again, that's what we have to do, but you know, be safe. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm the only one that lives in Texas. We're pretty much not even closed down at all. We have some limitations that on and places and all, and uh, we have to wear masks, but it's, it's non-existent pretty much. So, um, I try to stay away from, <laughs> from everybody. I do not want to get sick again. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's horrible. So our guest for today, coming back to the crypt, is Chris Jerome. Uh, you might remember him from the Fallen episode. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. I, I hope they remember me. That was my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're going to be doing another review, but along with Chris, we have Patrick. I'll let Patrick say his last name because I don't think I'm going to be able to say it perfectly. Uh, it's it's Beermeyer. No worries. It's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bit of a I don't even say it right, so... <laughs> that's true <laughs> so how have you all been throughout this whole uh pandemic and and so forth i don't know you know fighting back existential dread at every turn <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crazy it's a crazy time it's a crazy time it's the it real really horror movie. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah. It was like, w- at what point do we review ourselves at this? Uh, <laughs> All <show>? right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, actually just found out yesterday we had a a coworker doesn't work close to me, but a coworker at my day job tested positive. So um, they're testing at risk people, people with kids, and so I've got to go do a drive through test on Monday morning at nine. So yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little freaky. Yeah, I had someone <laughs> well, at my work too. Oh, yeah, that's geez. what happens with us. Well, technically, see, that's the thing. No one at my work got. What happened is that we came into. Uh, 
I'm not even gonna say contact. We came to close quarters with a family member mm. who had who works with somebody who got sick, and um, they weren't they didn't show symptoms till afterwards. And that's the thing is like we still make sure to keep at uh, we still make sure not to be like touching you know like hugging anything like that, mm-hmm. but just being um, in the same room uh, was enough to get us sick. Uh, both my wife and I and. I started. I started, I started um, displaying symptoms about four days after, after um, that. Wow. Uh, my wife about six days after, and then we found out that they started some provide um, displaying symptoms around the same time. So it all tied back to uh, um, them being with a coworker who was sick, and then being in the same room as us. And that's all it took. That's all it took. It's really uh, upsetting because my wife and I had taken every single precaution, every single, we did everything that we were supposed to do to make sure not get sick. And, and just that little interaction yeah. with a family member was what, what did it. It's, it's, it's very easy to catch guys. If, if you're with somebody or around somebody that, that uh, is sick. So just be careful. Yeah, dude. Yep. So today after we uh, jump over from the, all the dread and, and news of the real life, yeah. we're going to go ahead and um, get into the show today. We're going to be doing another set of episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Um, we're trying to do every single episode, even the ones that are not that great. They have to be really, really duds for us not to go them, unless we just forget that they're duds before we watch them and we assign them. Um, <laughs> which happened last time, and I, I think one, at least one of them, was was on, in this time around. But we'll see how the 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 Russian roulette of uh, choosing the episodes happened this time around. They're all fantastic. <laughs> Uh, We're going to be doing, like I said, four episodes. We're going to be doing the first one we're going to be talking about is uh, season two, episode seven, The Sacrifice, which aired on May 15, 1990. And Greg was the one that got the assignment for The Sacrifice. Uh, You want to take over, Greg? Yeah, sure. Uh, So um, I I wish I had better notes because I thought I was doing a different one. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) I joke, I kid. Um, Sacrifice... uh, it, it, talk about jumping out of one basket of dread and going into another one. Boy, oh boy. This one, this one, it, like, the, uh, the one thing I gotta say about Tales from the Crypt, you know, you, you watch Tales from the Crypt and they are definitely lifted. Like, most of them are that, um, that feel of like a, it's almost, it's almost that, that, uh, next 48 hours story <laughs> because this one feels <laughs> like it um sacrifice like it took 48 hours well i mean it could have taken 48 hours but it felt like <laughs> the i mean within 48 hours this all could um yeah no it uh the the story itself definitely is like one of those murder by numbers situations and uh and it's i, I kind of like i like the way it played out like the way it built up uh you got you got an insurance a, a, a wealthy gentleman who who's in need of insurance and insurance salesman is going to sell him that insurance uh but that wealthy gentleman kind of he's He's kind of on the take himself, and he wants to get that. He wants to. He wants to split the difference on that. Uh, that insurance benefit, uh, that or the. Uh, uh, I guess on the. He wants a little kickback from the insurance salesman because he's got the best insurance salesman that can sell anything anywhere to anybody. <laughs> and he's allegedly. Like, allegedly. 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 We never actually see him sell anything, though. <laughs> It's true. It well. I, oh, spoiler! <laughs> he sells him on that's the, the real. That's the my real bad, horror. Yeah, my bad. bad. Yeah. The, the As a salesperson, that is the real horror of this episode. Oh uh, yeah. My professional opinion. Anyway, sorry. Go no, ahead. no. But uh, you know, on his on his way up to to this this awesome business meeting, our 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 
insurance salesman meets a uh, an ingenue, and uh, she's she's in the elevator, and they have a nice exchange. And he's kind of like, there, you could you could see there's a there's a moment there, and uh, and they, they go their separate ways. And um, he uh, goes up and he does his, his pitch, and then lo and behold, the that's when that whole entire interaction of the the um, of the I need some of your money that you're going to get from this the sale to make this worthwhile for me. And he's like, well, if you're going to be that way, I guess I'll do it. You know, that kind of thing. Cause he's thinking to himself, maybe, maybe it'll work out in, in a different way. And sure enough, lo and behold, those who enter in an earlier part of the scene will enter in a later part of the scene. The nice young woman appears again. And at first you're thinking, maybe that's the daughter. No surprise. It's the wife because this man, he's hella old. She's pretty young. So then you're thinking to yourself, Hmm, what's going on here? But wait, it's Tales from the Crypt, so we know what's going on here. <laughs> Someone's gonna well, die. <laughs> she gets off before he does, right? Yeah. But then the 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 old man says that he bought adjoining penthouse, uh, so that he wouldn't have to worry about the noise. So it's a it's a giant a giant penthouse in the sky. Let's see. So like, uh, you know, they've got they 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 work their deal out, but uh, all of a sudden the next day, oh. He, he, he explains that he lives on a boat in the harbor. And uh, lo and behold, the next day, guess who shows up on the boat? The nice young wife. The why not? Um, and I'm guessing not is K-N-O-T? For yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a funny name the first time you hear it. I, I, have, to, I have to say, I can't, I, 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 because I don't have my notes, I'm, I'm, a bad, I'm a bad person here, bad podcast person. My, uh, the, the actor that played the husband um, was also on, I know for a fact he was on Northern Exposure. He was the astronaut in the background of the town. Yeah, so to see him play this like lecherous millionaire, uh, yeah. In a different way. <laughs> I, I, he's I, real, I mean, he's real. Was it uh, sleazy? He he has all this money. Oh yeah. But he he makes sure to always screw the people who he's buying from. Oh, definitely. I mean, total douchebag. <laughs> he reminds me of many many like. I wonder who he reminds you of. <laughs> well, of course, I instantly knew him because he was the basketball coach on Everybody's Favorite Show, One Tree Hill. I knew. Yes, I knew Dave. It was gonna come with that one. <laughs> Which is the irony. The irony is that Ann and I are watching One Tree Hill. Like she's watching it. I'm I'm occasionally popping in on an episode or two when she's she's got it up on the TV and I'm done playing a video game. But uh, join so us next week as we uh, yeah join us next week as we um, review One Tree Hill and on the horror of uh, <laughs> or my wife making me watch it. Are, are you watching it too? I know she wants me to though. Oh, you should. You, the, we'll we'll have a One Tree Hill podcast. We just talk about all the crazy stuff that happens in their earlier lives, and then what happens as they get older. Because as David can can also attest to that, when they get older, their lives shouldn't have changed that much. But boy, oh boy, oh it does. Oh, it does. Oh, oh it does. <laughs> <laughs> that that poor goopy bastard that turns into the pizza man. <laughs> And then nobody ever texts him or calls him or anything. He's literally down the street. And the only time they ever hit him up is when they want a pie. <laughs> it's brutal. Brutal it turn is, of events. But that's so true to life because, like, I know a dude that I went to high school with. And the only time he ever talks to me is when he wants a pizza. Oh, my God. I'm that guy. Okay. Back to, back to Tales from the Crypt. Um, so 
they're on the boat. They're on a boat doing backflips and oh, wrong song. Okay, so they're on a boat. And, well, they're doing uh, something. Yeah, yeah, they're doing something. <laughs> oh yeah, talking about life insurance policy. So they're 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 talking about the life insurance policy and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, you know, you're exactly what I want. And he's selling her on him and uh, this life that he's got planned out and this this big plan of uh, you know maybe the husband has an accident because maybe you know it might be beneficial to everybody. He's one and, of those guys that he does everything wrong in life as far as his health wise, but he never dies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the husband's like, God, he, he's going to live to like a hundred plus, you know, he's, he's yeah. If he was rolling twenties for, for, for that stuff, man. <laughs> I like how that's uh when they decide to start plotting too, when he's like, Oh, he's going to live for another hundred years. Like as if, if he only lived for 80 years, they wouldn't have to. Oh yeah. Yeah. The extra 20 years though, right out. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh man. I didn't think about that. <laughs> but then think about this too. I mean like, okay. When Tales from the Crypt was done and, and like now, now time frame, you know, like life expense, life expectancy of people was pretty short, you know? So yeah, for sure. So you, <laughs> think, yeah. you, you think to, to a point like this guy, he's, oh my gosh, he's going to live this long, you know? Cause like most people, I, uh, and not to digress too much, but man, I mean, when I was younger and I hear like movie stars and stuff like that pass away or, or you know, uh, singers and stuff like that, I would think, man, they died so, they were so old. And then you start to hear like, they were only like 53 years old. I'm like, not that old. So this dude like living to a hundred. Wow, man. In 1990 something. That's, that's old. Cause like Sammy Davis Jr. Died in 1990 and he was 83. So whoo. Anyways, back to the track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so, they go back to the house. He's got all the documents and paperwork ready to go in the condo. They're going to sign on the dotted line. Ultra rich dude, super excited because he's getting this new life insurance. Mega, mega awesome package. And the kickback fat stacks dollarinos in his pocket. It's like, what guys uh, finding money on the street? I wouldn't know because I never found money on the street before. <laughs> but, um Actually, that's a lie. I found a penny in a urinal once, and I got to keep it. But uh, <laughs> true story, oh airports, man, you can keep any penny you find in the urinal. They let you. Um, I, I bet they do. I got a whole jar full if anybody wants to trade. <laughs> um, so so you go, and they, they go in there, and they're, they're, they're ready to sign all this stuff. And the dude wants to show off his, like, awesome view because it's beautiful so he brings it he's like we're gonna go on the balcony we're gonna pop some champagne you know and and see the view because the fog the, the smog makes it more beautiful because you know that's 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 what you know makes la so great is the smog and the the view of this uh beautiful city um he's got a lot more other other lines that keep coming back but pretty horrific uh <laughs> just, um and uh that's when mr insurance man he decides to take matters into his own hands and chuck a dude off a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> he does it all calm and collective, but then also he's well, all like, hmm? Go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you. I'll just say, this is where we switch over. This is um, switches over to like the opposite end of, um, what is it, that, that Hitchcock movie? Um, Vertigo? <laughs> what, what? Vertigo? No, no. Uh, rear um, window. The window, rear window, oh, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. 
this is where where the rear window kind of aspect comes in, but we're on the other end. And the guy that actually is in the rear um watching from the window is is the the kind of like the bad guy, even though they're all bad guys. Yeah. Michael Ironside. Yeah, Michael Ironside, who plays an awesome bad guy all the time. I mean, who once he been a good guy? I just saw him on. Uh, with my wife and I just watched all the whole uh, tr- the whole series of the Terminator. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With yeah. and he came out in uh, Salvation. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, as soon as I saw him again, I had already seen the movie, but it's been like 12 years, I think yeah. I've seen it. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I can tell this guy's a bad guy. He's a bad guy in everything. <laughs> And, and was he? And he was a bad guy. He wasn't a good guy. Uh, well, not not technically. He was a he was just a douche in that one. But okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just more of an antagonistic uh, ally. Antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Michael Ironside. Anyway. Would you like to know more? <laughs> or to know more in terms of us. Links in the <laughs> links in the bio, or links. In the bio. <laughs> uh, so so he pops over and he's like, boom gotcha photos developed one hour that's why i'm late to the party but i gotcha now let's do a deal i know you did a deal with this guy but i want to do a deal with you we're gonna go half season on this you keep her during the day i get her at night because i've got this fixation and that's why i was living across the street because i was being i was over there like rear windowing and taking photos of her because i'm a creepy stalker and i'm in love with this lady because i've known her forever and i'm not gonna let her go and our insurance salesman, dude, he's like conflicted, but he doesn't all, he also doesn't want to go to jail for murdering a dude off a balcony. And he doesn't want his lady to go to jail for like, you know, being part of it. So he it weighs heavy on him. But in the end, he decides, OK, I guess so. Why not? This is better than going to jail. Or is it? Because as we find out, dun, 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 Michael Ironside's a people monster. Because he keeps bringing in weird stuff to this relationship each and every day, tormenting our lady or his lady with crazy new perversions that drive the insurance salesman wild in his mind of what he needs to save her from because he's bringing in voyeuristic folks and other things that are just making this dude just like his stomach turn because he doesn't know what's going to happen next. So he takes the only he does the only thing he can do takes the only way out he eats like i don't know 48 like painkillers or something and ties one off in the in the boat <laughs> with a note <laughs> with a note that says like she wasn't part of anything and that it was all him he and, takes it all takes all the responsibility takes all the responsibility she shows up and then she's like whoa well that's exactly what i wanted burns a note and then lo and behold who's outside michael iron <laughs> this is uh- God this is um heartbreak. this is like uh indecent proposal meets uh rear window uh meets um something about mary <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah yo totally wow it, it, uh, but it is totally like one of those things that like my my uncle's wife would watch on that like murder channel or like lifetime or whatever um snap <laughs> yeah that's yeah. Snap. <laughs> my mom used to watch that <laughs> Oh, when that happened, tell us um, more in the bio. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was one of the ones that that uh, it's not bad. It's just more. It's like it's it's more of a slow burn. And um, since I'm still getting over 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 COVID, it was like one of those like I was watching it, and since it is a slow burn, I was like kind of drow- drowsing in and like you know going in and out, getting in and out. So yeah. I'm like, is this boring or is it just me because I'm sick? <laughs> um, I, I think a little bit of this is a sick and 
more but some of it is because it's a slow burn but even most of the time i do like slow burns yeah uh, the sacrifice was uh directed by richard greenberg who also is the title producer of flash gordon and death oh, yeah. becomes her okay and he actually did the visual effects for predator goodfellas last action hero wow and nice he later uh directed little monsters so oh classic yeah. howie mandel <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's interesting that if that's his background, there's like no practical effects in the sacrifice, right? None. Uh, no, 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 no. No, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that Tales from the Crypt, sometimes they go all out with the uh, practical effects, and sometimes it's just just straight out acting. And this is where it went with this one. And actually, the the next one, for the most part, but part there's little things here in the next one that... that that uh, takes some gross out in his body horror, or I'm not even sure if it's considered yeah. body horror. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to the next fair. one. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on yeah. to the next one. David uh, will give us an earful, probably. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, so David, David is uh, taking care of episode eight, season two, originally aired May 22nd, 1990, for crying out loud. All right, for crying out loud, has everything you want as sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and Iggy Pop. Um, <laughs> yeah. Iggy Pop before he uh, like uh, turned into leather. Yeah, but he wasn't right. wearing a lot in this episode. But he was wearing a little bit of leather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, never a lot. Everybody's <laughs> favorite robot house mom was in this show as well, Katie Seagal. Yeah, and I remember. I remember this episode because I used to have a big crush on her. <laughs> well, she was really scary to us, and when I say us. The, the other 25 and below growing up because she was the voice of the Disney Channel original House Mom where she plays the evil robot house. So oh. Oh. When you said that, I thought you were you were combining Leela and uh, and uh, what's it called? And Peggy, but then I remembered Leela is not a robot. So I, don't know what you're about. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I thought that had to be a, like going in the Leela direction. I was like, the robot doesn't check out. Am I just, am I just t- really, really tired here? <laughs> if, you, if you want tr- something truly scary, watch that movie that David's talking about and then think about what would happen if your Alexa could totally take over your house. Oh, <laughs> she crap. Oh, I know, oh, right? Don't have an Alexa. That's probably going to happen because they'll hear all the negative stuff I say about Bezos and it's just, it's just waiting to self-destruct. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> hate to see it. Well, what's that joke? It's like uh, it was that meme where it was like back in the day. It's like, oh no, I just the government wiretapping us in the uh, early aughts or late two thousands. Uh-huh. Uh, wiretap. What's a what's a good recipe for pancakes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Right. Um, All right, David. Sorry about that. Was uh, directed by Jeffrey Price, um, who went on to help co-write such movies as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Grinch Stole Christmas, and more pinnacally, Shrek the Third. Yes. Um, so this one takes place in a um, a nightclub, and the owner of it has just well, it starts off in a penitentiary. A guy's about to get the electric chair, but he's really excited, and you don't know why. But that's because it's foreshadowing, and so he's used to own this nightclub, and he starts out by giving this huge check to this native man. But clearly, he's not a native man. He's just this white guy that they're going to cut a check for. And he's taking all this money. And then when he gets back to the back of his office, Katie Seagal, he's like, oh, I have to pay this hooker. And she's like, no, I'm your banker. I don't know what's worse. And so then, <laughs> then um, he starts hearing his voice in his head, which is Sam Kinison, um, telling him to do all these things. And he thinks he's trying to get rid of the voice. He starts doing all these weird things like 
pushing the Q-tip too far in, which already a terrible feeling when you push the uh, Q-tip just too far. And you're like, oh no, day's ruined. Um, Doesn't work at all. Start so the alcohol. the assumption is that it's 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 his conscience, right? Right. Well, we kind of he borderlines. Is it his conscience? Where is this voice coming from? And that's what's driving his mad this whole episode, where this voice keeps getting louder and keeps telling him things to do. And the real reason he's scared of the voice is because it's it's saying out loud um, the things what he's doing is wrong and like giving away his secret plan. Um, and so then, which they, which uh, which we find out that he's been stealing all the money he's he's been raising for the Amazon and stuff. Right, he's not saving the Amazon rainforest at all. It's going into his retirement fund. Oh, what a turd! What right. he was doing, he was saving to go to the Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's work himself. That's that's not bad. He he wanted to go there. Maybe he's gonna do good stuff. <laughs> then he uses his axe, Pete Townsend's axe, Ooh. to axe off Katie Seagal, his banker. And then which, the police come and are which like, "I want to interject real quick there. When he's doing this, anyone in the crowd just looks up. They can see him doing it. Silhouette in the window. The silhouette. Yeah. When he very menacingly closes the window or like the the blinds as she's counting the money, <laughs> she should oh, that yeah. was the first clue. Yeah. She had yeah, yeah. was coming there. So over the top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Iggy Pop is doing the same motion as the the club owner as he's axing off the goal. He's also continuing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Then the cops come and they're like, "Turn that racket down." And it's like, "Well, they're already at a nightclub. How much more can they turn it down?" And then he convinces the cops to leave, and then he's just trying to hightail it out of there. And as he's getting away from the club, or because right while well, all this is happening, the club is still Iggy Pop is still performing. To be very clear here. And so then the voice gets louder, and he starts saying all these things louder. And finally, uh, the club owner snaps and like spills the beans. And then the voice, Sam Kinison, says, "You do realize like the Q-tip is still like hanging out of your ear. Maybe that's why people are looking at you funny." Fade to the penitentiary. Oh, go ahead, Saul. I was say, uh, not only does he do the the Q tip, doesn't he? he? Does like a like a wire, doesn't he? Some some sort of or a pencil or something. Oh, yeah, I don't something like he does a lot of a pencil with goop. I think it's the... <laughs> he does that. I think it's alcohol with swabs on it somehow. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little like Q tip looking deal. Yeah. I've had to do that with my dog before. It is a it is a mess. You put stuff <laughs> in there, and you're like just you're trying really hard, and the dog all squirms around and stuff like that. So I can only imagine if you have a voice in your head, which sometimes I do, <laughs> and I'm sitting there trying to do that, and it's yelling at you to stop, and you're just like, no, no. I mean, I've never done that to stop them. It obviously doesn't work, so I'm not gonna try. But, uh, that'd be difficult. If we learned anything from this episode, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much solidarity with uh, people hearing voices needing to try to claw yeah. their ears out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, David. No, and so you're good. And so that happens. And uh, then probably the grossest scene is he pulls the Q-tip out. <laughs> I mean, that's some great acting. I don't know how it got in there. Then he has to pull it out. Then they then flash back to originally when we were at the beginning of the episode. He's back in his own cell. And the voice is louder than ever, but now Sam Kinison is no longer spilling his secrets. He's just like babbling on and on, giving out great one-liners. I'm sure they were just letting him riff the whole time. Yeah, he's just doing his his, his bits <laughs> from his comedy. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. <laughs> and the guards just think he's deaf um, because he won't respond to anything. But he comes up to the bars, continually screaming like, 
when is it my turn to be in the electric chair? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the second episode that, that uh, David gets that has to do with the electric chair. Oh my I know, God. I thought you were playing me, Saul, because I started up there like, I've had to do this one before. I've seen the electric chair bit. <laughs> it's a big big reoccurring theme for tales with the, from the crypt though i watched like a bunch of other episodes too after i watched these ones there's a lot of a lot of electric sharing <laughs> well usually people get their their comeuppance yeah yeah <laughs> hey david so would you say you were shocked <laughs> love it love it yeah i was i was electrified by the entire show <laughs> so all all um well, three of the four episodes all take place in the like one location. The fourth one um, kind of goes from from one location to another, but it's not really all that different. I'm pretty sure they just recorded it in the same location. It just makes it look like there's two different locations, and that's what happens with these shows, right? I mean, back especially back in the day, they were they were low budget, but um, they try to they try to do with everything what they what what they can with with everything they had. So this one really just takes place in and outside of the of the office and then at the very end the the uh, the prison beginning oh uh, i guess it bookends the the prison it bookends the the episode yeah i don't have any i don't have much uh extra information on that one but i do remember seeing this is one of the ones i did see as a, as a little kid um oh, on, God, i'm sorry on fox <laughs> <laughs> on fox this i think three the the latter three of the ones that we're, we're doing today i watched them on on fox at like one in the morning because i didn't want to go to bed for some reason i wanted to watch this and well i i know why but because i really <laughs> love the crypt the thing oh, is yeah. i don't i don't remember them being so um censored back then on yeah. fox uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't think they'd be able to show these on network TV anymore. So oh. some, some of them at least. Dude, no way. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Also, speaking of which, can we just all agree that all four of these episodes were like abnormally horny, seeming? <laughs> yeah. Like, a huge like plot point in every episode. <laughs> yeah, they're really going for it. Oh, they're going for it again. <laughs> that was like, well, especially the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. The recipe is like, all right. We need to be hyper sexed up, but also really deathy murdery in some way. So super sexual, kind of killy. It's like on South Park, the uh, informative murder porn. Yeah. <laughs> very much, very uh, much. So we'll jump to the next episode, and and Chris and and Patrick are actually going to tag team this one. It's a four sided triangle. I guess it, it it kind of goes into it the the theme, <laughs> four sided triangle. <laughs> Take on the four sided triangle. Oh, okay, actually, all right. So this is my this is my idea going into this one because I I had a hard time figuring this one out. So what do you guys think it was about? Because I have uh, like just wild ravings of what I think it's about. I don't think it's about anything other than just. Uh, a little slice of life in the farm, um, and then just little this little supernatural kind of thing. I don't, I don't even Pretty know if it's nasty supernatural. slice. Yeah, but there's yeah. no not really a. I mean, there might be a supernatural, but like probably not. Yeah. Anyway, all right, okay. All right. Maybe all that's right. that's good first impressions. I don't know, Chris. You wanna? Yeah. You want me to give the uh, the? I, I don't know, or I could synopsis. We didn't really we didn't practice this. However, no, however you no, think. No, of here, I'll, uh, I'll do the synopsis, and then uh, then you can rant and rave for a moment afterwards. Okay, I'll riff. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, four sided triangle. Uh, this one, like Saul said earlier, we we're in one location. We're on a farm. There's only three characters. Um, it's Patricia Arquette, who's Mary Jo. She's like the uh, 
slave labor farmhand girl <laughs> who's not related to these people. Uh, and then right. you got the two farmers, uh, George and Louisa. Which I feel like is yes. important to note. Very yes, important. Yes. Um, so the two like old farmer married couple are like super abusive and mean to her. And they keep referring to her as being like a simpleton. Um, of course, you know, she gets woken up by the wife smacking her with a cane saying go get some eggs and so she goes to get eggs out of the chicken coop when she's not wearing like i mean at least on the farm life anyway i'm thinking she's wearing clothes that are kind of showing her body off so then of course the uh the farmer is uh being a creeper and like breathing super yeah, nasty heavy as he's watching very her. very very creepy he's yeah. like creep levels are just over a thousand nine thousand if he was trying to be secretive this is not the way to do it no, because they totally like ADR his heavy breathing. So that's all you can hear is he's like got one eye sticking into the barn. Just <sighs> it's honestly pretty good. I wish that I had watched this episode before drawing uh, Eldritch Storm because I think uh, that could have been some good. Yeah, bits. yeah. But, but I digress. Yeah. yeah. When we talk about our project later, you'll see some crossover. <laughs> um, I I thought you drew some info. Uh, yeah. No, because when I read it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's definitely uh, some Easter eggs there. <laughs> yeah, some, some crossover appeal. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he's creeping on her while she's like crawling around on the ground looking for eggs and, you know, again, like picking up eggs in a way that n- no normal person would. But anyway, very male gazy going on here, literally and uh, Again, figuratively. We should reiterate that this episode is extremely horny throughout. Yeah. <laughs> And not in a good way. (laughs) So uh, the uh, farmer, what what was his name? It's George. Farmer George. Yeah. George and Louisa. Yeah. So so George comes into the barn, tries to come on to her. She doesn't want it. So then he's like trying to rape her. uh, And as she struggles, he just smacks her over the head with a bottle and you think kills her. So Mary Jo's bleeding from the head and. You know, he's calling her a simpleton the whole time, but he doesn't seem very bright himself. So he tries to, like, cover her with some hay before his wife comes in. And uh, then he goes outside and he's like, no, I didn't hear her screaming, even though, you know, obviously everybody on the farm heard her screaming. And um, Luis is like, what's that on your apron? And he's got spilled milk all over himself. And <laughs> oh, because he tries to get, he gets uh, Mary Jo, Patricia Arquette, the farmhand gal to do to like <laughs> to milk the cow milk the cow which is yeah, yeah just another which... level of weird uh, <laughs> indeed so they they both go in the uh you know of course louisa doesn't she hits him with a cane but i mean that's not really a great reaction for your husband trying to rape and murder somebody that's living in your home um i mean he tried to play it cool in. but <laughs> he did but like you can tell that she knew that he yeah she she yeah. knew what he did she knows. so <laughs> they go uh they go in the barn and uh, mary joe's gone so then they follow the blood trail into the um, well into the cornfield, of course, because where else would you flee on a farm that I think they said there's no neighbors for 40 miles or something. 60. And uh, 60, 60. Yeah. Oh, even worse. <laughs> um, so they follow Mary Jo to the foot of a scarecrow who we see like this flash in her mind of the scarecrow, like reaching down to help her. Um I'm assuming it's in her mind anyway. (laughs) And uh, so like the scarecrow like reaches out to help her. Then she passes out from her, you know, severe head wound um, after rambling about how her man was going to make love to her. Yeah. So now she's got a man. 
Yes, and now she she's, which, which crucially also means that she doesn't need the creepy farmer George. Right. <laughs> uh, then we uh, skip to the next day. Uh, things seem fairly normal. Um, of course, George was like, "Oh, don't listen to anything she says." She got hit in the head pretty hard, you know, like yeah. by me. <laughs> but uh, um, basically, what happens from there is multiple times George tries to come on to her again still being creepy, maybe not quite as forceful, but still not good. Uh, but Mary Jo's like, no, I've got a man, which is the Scarecrow. And she keeps trying to have these midnight rendezvous with the Scarecrow. Um, and then, of course, Louisa suspects that George has got the hots for her. So she says, you know, what would happen if you cheated on me? I'd, you know, castrate you like we do the bulls. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was funny that he's like, I'm not cheating on you. Like, I know you're not cheating on me. Not right now. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. just like, not now, George. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome performance there. So uh, George gets the bright idea to replace the scarecrow up on the rack and um, almost gets away with it if it wasn't for that meddling wife who wakes up, realizes he's gone, grabs her pitchfork and tractor, speeds there as fast as the tractor can go. Um, yep. yep, through the cornfield. Very good. Very good yep. visuals throughout that. Gets in an argument with Mary Jo, who is just about to like go down on the scarecrow. And um, the scarecrow, who is George? Who is George? And she's like, No, this is just a straw. I'll prove it to you. And then just proceeds to stab her husband multiple times through the stomach, which is an awesome, awesome scene. Um, George Big oof. falls off, the mask falls off. He he's you know bleeds out and dies, and then as Luis is like freaking out, leaning over him, then Mary Jo gets the pitchfork and uh, stabs her clean through, so that the pitchfork pops out the other side, and and then she just um, skips away singing. <laughs> she does. She does. So the um, the wife is played by Susan uh, Blom- Blomart. Blomart's. I'm not sure how to say it, but she she was um, the the uh, the. I don't know if she was the maid or whatever from Pet Cemetery. Okay, <laughs> I think that's from. Other than this, this is that's where I really know her from. Uh, when she tells she tells the little girl that Church is going to get his balls cut off. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really where I know her from. And when I when I saw this, I saw I saw her, and I'm like, who is this lady? I know her. From, I know her from somewhere. And I know it's not from a big movie. Oh, not a big movie. Not a big part of the movie. And then I looked her up, and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's her yeah uh, yeah is it, like i don't know I, I have a weird thing with this one i don't know if like i said i said supernatural earlier but i don't know if it is really supernatural it's more um yeah. when they hit when they hit her if she got an idea of how she can get back at them right or right. if um she really did get delusional yeah i think that the person was the scarecrow was real yeah or it could actually just be a big supernatural thing too right hmm. yeah well, that, that's the thing is like it, I, I, I said supernatural, but I want to lean back to where it's not supernatural. I think yeah. it's more either. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's probably not supposed got, to be. Yeah, yeah I, I think it could be the spirit of the cornfield or something. I don't well, know. I think it's just setting up the reveal that nothing's going to happen. Like the whole time you're waiting for the monster to show up. But then, right. of course, the monsters have been there the whole time, which is George and Louisa. Yeah, people the, the, the people monsters. Yeah, yeah the people yeah. monsters. Yeah. This well, is the, a very people monster uh, block of episode. Well, that's the thing is I tell from the crib for the most part. If you really look at every single episode, most of them are not uh, supernatural. Most of them are not um, 
what's it called uh has to do with monsters and like that it, most of them are the people monsters and at the end of the day they get their their come up and like i said earlier they um they get what there's what's coming to them yeah and i um i think it worked in this episode and i i actually really did enjoy this episode um i I've got a soft spot for scarecrow monsters, like a uh, scary stories to tell in the dark or that one episode of supernatural. So I was a little sad, you know, but I mean, at the, uh, the way that they kind of pulled the rug out from under you and subverted your expectation of a scarecrow monster, I thought was really well done because the whole time I'm like, okay, so the scarecrow is obviously going to come to life and right. kill the farmer. Yeah. And then, Oh, nope, Oh, 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 wow. You know, it's just like, so it was, I think it was, um, I think it was pretty well done. The, the farmer stuff was super uncomfortable, but it it worked. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely gross. He gave me some like Stephen King from Creepshow vibes too. Yeah. Um, I kept, yeah, I thought so as well. (laughs) The other thing I was going to say about, uh, um, subverting expectations, I think is totally right. And seems like a reoccurring theme in, in maybe most of the Tales from the Crypt episodes. Um, it certainly was the same in in the in the sacrifice, and I guess kind of in the end of the um, uh, the Marty Slash one. Yeah, I think they have a really good track record in doing that. They they play to your like you said they subvert your your expectation right, but it's because we are expecting monsters, we're expecting um, supernatural elements to come into place because it's Tales from the Crypt, especially since we're looking back at them all these years. You want, you kind of think it's like, you remember it a little bit different from when you first saw it. So you're right. thinking like, oh yeah, like, oh, that's right. That's, this is how it really went down. And this is how the, it always been in the episodes. Uh, and and I said it every single time we've done these episode reviews or, um, you know, talked about these episodes. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of just people getting what they deserve they the they're horrible people the episodes are full of horrible people um sometimes even the 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 protagonist is a horrible person and they 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 get what's coming to them so i'm gonna go ahead and just jump to the final episode we're doing this this time around it's um episode 10 of uh, season two aired june 5th 1990 the ventriloquist dummy it stars don rickles and yes. um bobcat goldweight Gold, <laughs> yes. i'm at goldweight i'm not sure how to say last name which is very very funny because we're I'm, I'll, I'll talk more about bobcat in, the, in a bit this is two ventriloquists who uh, one of them's really bad one of them's really good we're not even sure what is going on how bobcat even gets gigs the way he they show him struggling to to perform but we're introduced to to don rickles who is actually the the very funny ventriloquist uh, even though it's one of those things where you can't, you can tell he's not talking. It's something, someone else. Because even the best ventriloquist, right? The best ventriloquist, you can still see them. There's a mouth switch, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he has a fan, Billy, who wants to be a ventriloquist. And then we we move forward and it's it's Bobcat 15 years later who has been able to track down his idol. And he wants him to, um, he wants to to meet him, right? He's got his his dummy with him he uh but mr ingles is don rickles name is now retired is really doesn't want doesn't really want to talk to billy but the whole time we see that that mr ingles has this mitt over his hand the whole time i don't even know if it's a mitt or if it's a cloth or that's tied down i don't know what it is it's um, like a veil <laughs> <laughs> we figure out that he hasn't performed since there was a fire that happened during the the first act um, well, when we saw uh, Don Rickles' character perform, um, and it ended up his girlfriend ended up dying in that particular fire. Billy says, "I'm going to have a show. I would love for you to uh, to come to it." Billy does horrible. 
like I said, I don't know how he even got this job, how he got this. And you can say maybe he's nervous because Mr. Ingalls is there and all that. But if it seems really like he can't even keep the head on the dummy. From, <laughs> yeah, from, it, wasn't, begin with. it wasn't going well. Yeah, uh, this is like one of those times where like someone. Oh, you know what? Reminds you of the uh, of Joker where uh, where what's his name goes up to to be a, a stand up comedian and, and he really bombs. Oh, um, yo, yikes. That was yeah. an uncomfortable scene. <laughs> Mr. Ingles actually shows up, but leaves right away as soon as he sees that he is um, he sucks. <laughs> you weren't worth leaving my uh, self-imposed exile over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes to get the drink, but then he later on, he goes and talks to this. Uh, I don't know if she's a prostitute or if she's just a, a girl. So, at the right. Bar. Seems like it's implied that she is. Yeah. Well, the way, she, I mean, the way they, they dress prostitutes in, in these shows, sometimes it's, you can tell right away, but sure, sure. like, yeah, but I, I, I mean, thought, I, th- I thought she was from the Olive Garden. She did my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remind me of yeah. my grandpa. Buy me yeah. a drink. Like what that's what was cre- that about? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the creepiest pickup line. <laughs> wow. Uh, as Billy as Billy is leaving, he hears uh, a scream because they found the, uh, the the prostitute dead in the car. Billy immediately leaves his jacket over her, contaminating the scene. By, uh, <laughs> Replicating himself in her exactly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he finds Mr. Ingalls and, and accuses him of um, of killing the prostitute and also accuses him about 15 years killing the, his girlfriend and, and, what's it called, setting her fire. That's why he had been in exile. Mr. Ingalls pretty much says, no, it's not me. It's not me. And then you start hearing, uh, what's his name? What is it? What is the name of the of the Puppet, Mort- Puppet Morty. Morty. Yeah, Morty. Morty, you start hearing him talk, and then he's like, you don't get it, you know, and, goes, and he takes off his mitten, and it's his conjoined twin that grew on his arm. <laughs> it's a good reveal. Just like in Total Recall. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's out yeah. of his chest, it's out of his arm. Yeah. This is why I love this episode so much, because it's like this little puppet is so ridiculous. It even has like little arms, which I don't know if it's supposed to be little arms or if it's supposed to be Doc, Mr. Ingalls is like fingers that are coming out. Um, we, we get another. Uh, re- yeah, this the, we, we get the reveal that Mr. Ingalls was never an actual ventriloquist. It's Marty dressed up as a puppet the whole time. <laughs> so ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, that since they are they are uh, a Siamese twins, they couldn't get separated because of how he grew up on them. Uh, grew up on his arm or actually grown on his arm and uh what's it called it it's just uh a way for them to be able to make a living together when he can't get rid of them however he does get chopped off and we're thinking that this is this is it you know he he's he's dead or whatever but no uh, morty is able to fight back and and even kill mr ingles by uh cutting or uh, biting his throat uh, he goes he MacGruber yeah. uh, oh, <laughs> and i gotta say like morty running around the the little cabin or whatever totally gave me alien vibes when the chestburster first yeah. pops out a cane and then just shoots across the cafeteria yeah, it, it reminded me of 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 uh what's it called dream child um nightmare numb street ah oh, little oh, baby yeah. baby freddy comes up yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it just leads but, to an absolutely absurd fight scene, too. Like exactly. they just got sound effects, and oh man! <laughs> uh, so Billy, Billy is able to get Morty in the meat grinder, getting ready to kill him. 
but then Morty <laughs> puts out this ridiculous deal of we can work together. I'll do anything you want. <laughs> and then we see we see Billy and Morty working together um with um with Morty actually changing the the what's it called the the contract that they made um and actually absorbing himself into into Billy's hand. And that's why I say you pull out and you see him like he's already like melted over his hand and you can see you can see Bobcat's uh fingers sticking out. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. This is why this is this is one of my favorites, but also the one reason why this is the one that I always remember from from uh from being so young. And yeah, this it. one scarred me as a child. I watched this one with my dad and like I still like have weird flashbacks to Morty being like super gross and freaky. And then, so when I saw it was on the list to watch, I was like, Oh yes, I get to confront this trauma. (laughs) (laughs) It is Um, the only one that I had seen too, like seen before. Yeah. Yeah. This one's pretty famous. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's my favorite. Um, I do want to go ahead. I said, I I said, I had a story about Bobcat here. I actually just started watching Bobcat's uh, misfits and, and monsters. And uh, this, uh, what is it? The the uh, when we're talking about the Alexa, there's an episode that talks about uh, sentient machines and stuff like that. Yeah. It it's supposed to be a like Tales from the Crypt kind of anthology show, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like the, these episodes and all that, Tales from the Crypt trying to take itself seriously, even though there was things that were out the out out of the box and other like that. You know, um, it got great directors sometimes. Uh, this particular story, The Ventriloquist Dummy, was written by Frank Darabont, who you might remind you might remember from Shawshank Redemption. You might um, also uh, The Green Mile and um, and The Mist from Stephen King's Stephen King stuff. And the only direct- good season of The Walking Dead. which is like the sixth episode season yeah the first Um, one um, and also directed by richard donner don't know that guy (laughs) (laughs) never heard of him of everyone here you know him (laughs) i think he just called you old (laughs) never saw anything he's ever done in his career but yeah so uh like i said it it was a it was a good set of, of episodes even though like i said the first one might have just been a little bit too, of, a, of longer in, the, in my little uh, what's it called getting over COVID thing. I couldn't couldn't stay awake on it, but I I could very very much tell that I I would enjoy that as a as a slow burn episode. Which was everybody's favorite of these oh. of this group. This is how I would rank. Let's let's do this. How would you rank them? I would do Vinciliquisi Dummy, Four Sided. Um, I would go. I would rate them in in, in reverse order of how we talked about them. <laughs> you know actually yeah. i think i would do the same thing i would as well yeah <laughs> uh, i i would probably put i would probably put the uh um uh the last two flip i like the sam kinson bits but i i think like the um for some reason that was the one that i it was the 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 just the movement through the piece itself for me was like it was i i don't know I don't know what it was. I just, I didn't like it. The movement. The cinematography is a lot different. It just, there were certain parts about it that I didn't like. I liked the piece, but I, and I liked everybody in it. And I liked, I liked all the, all the, all the ha-has and everything else and everything like that. But uh, it just, it was the one that I was like, ah, ah. Which also, talking about David's episode, um, that character or that actor, I know him from a lot of things. I just can never remember. I don't know his name. Yeah, uh, but I mostly remember him from uh, Once Upon a Time. He's grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he's also the one of the the 
uh, from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Is he? Oh, I think he's yeah. the, sec- the, the second in command, I think. Right. Oh, damn. David, how do you tell? Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, that's Lee Arenberg. There you go. Yeah, I I, I know that I know the, the 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 actor. I just can never. Um, it's other than Grumpy, because uh, I I'm, I'm I'm gonna tell you guys I'm not a fan of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Um, so I've always saw the first one. That's all. But other than other than Grumpy on, on Once Upon a Time, I I know him from other shows. I just don't. I just can't. I can never place where I saw him. Um, until unless I look at IMDb, uh, guys. Any final final thoughts on on this episode? All these on these episodes. It was a pretty good collection, I think. Actually, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they were they did have some unifying themes of uh, horniness, horniness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, but I, th- I think good people monsters and creepiness. I think the uh, the whole series is pretty much that: it's horniness and people monsters <laughs> and people monsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say Ingrid. that I enjoyed I enjoyed watching these a lot, and I've since been binging all of the episodes from the beginning. So, but David did. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I didn't grow up watching these late at night at all, so this is my first time watching them. Uh, yeah, I I didn't either. I mean, I'd seen one or two, but never like many. We are going to going to tackle the the Twilight Zone reboot. I'm gonna go ahead. We did the first two episodes of the Twilight Zone reboot, but I'm gonna go ahead and maybe just pick another couple of the first season. Um, the first season was good, but there but I still have some some issues with some of the episodes. Um, season two is a whole lot better than season one. In my in my view, so I think we're after we choose, pick and choose a couple of episodes from season one, we'll go to season two of uh, the Twilight Zone reboot, and then what I want to do after that is Night Gallery episodes, which is actually created by Rod Serling, the same uh, creator of the Twilight Zone. Actually, my favorite of the two, mainly because it's more horror related than sci-fi. Although Twilight Zone is way more highly uh, regarded and highly known um, of the Rod Serling series. But we'll um, we'll get to those when we get to those, uh, hopefully later on this year. And um, we would love to have Chris and Patrick back to talk about more of these episodes, um, either Child in the Crypt or some of these anthology episodes. Even we, we do want to do the Bobcat um, Goldwitz uh, Misfits and Monsters because <laughs> those are hilarious sometimes. They're just bonkers and they're pretty good. So we do want to go over some of those. Well, that um, awesome. I, wanna... I really appreciate being on. That would be super fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, thank Chris and Patrick for joining us again here on this episode. Make sure to to tune back and um, and listen to the other episode we're going to be recording with them as we're going and, and um, reviewing or actually talking about their upcoming uh, Kickstarter project oh, yeah. uh, for Discordia. This, if, just as a tie in here, you guys already finished the web the webtoon um issue zero and you're gonna are you gonna put that together and then and then um put it on kickstarter or, or how's that how's that gonna work yeah so um we've got one more short that's that's done and that one is going to come out on the launch day for the kickstarter but yes the kickstarter is going to be a physical release of the webtoon with some extra goodies thrown in cool and then we'll we'll talk about that that issue at length in the following episode we want to go ahead and thank you guys for joining us here on nerds in the crypt and we'll See you guys next time. Heck yeah, thanks, fam. It's your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast.